Hey, it's Luke Burbank. This is Livewire Radio. We're backstage at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. We've got an amazing show coming up for you. Music from ages and ages, plus from ABC's The Goldbergs and Reno 911, Wendy McClendon Covey. And this guy, Jeopardy champion of all time, Mr. Ken Jennings. Ken, do people pepper you with questions day and night when they see you on the street? It does happen sometimes. Like, it's not like a, a sitcom where it happens every day, but amazingly often people seem to have some question they've been carrying around in case they ran into me. Do you have a, a, a special system for when you don't know the answer? Yeah, I have a system I do 100% of the time, which is answer it wrong. <laughs> it's easier for me, and it's more fun for them. Everybody wins. Like, they, uh, they think they beat me, and they leave sooner. So it's, it's win-win. It's beautiful. All right, we've got to do this radio show. Let's get it going right now. From the beautiful Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's... Livewire! Yes, it's Livewire Radio with the Goldbergs actress Wendy McClendon-Covey, Jeopardy! champ and author Ken Jennings, and music from ages and ages. All that plus comedy from our troupe, the delightfully stupid, and our house band led by Mr. Ralph Huntley. And now, the host of Livewire... Persona non grata at all chilly locations in the greater Phoenix area. Luke Burbank! All right, thank you very much. Thank you to Jason Rouse, our announcer. We have a really fun show for you. Uh, from the Goldbergs on ABC, also bride, Bridesmaids in Reno 911, Wendy McClendon Covey is here. The- Hilarious. Wendy McClendon Covey. Also, Jeopardy super champion Ken Jennings is here. And um, we've got a little news here at the top of the show that I suspect some of you missed because this is Portland, Oregon, so you probably don't have a Google alert for press releases from the McDonald's Corporation. But I do. And I've got a hot one here for you. Ronald McDonald, who represents the magic and happiness of the McDonald's brand, is setting out on a global mission to rally the public. You guys sitting down? Because this is a biggie I'm about to tell you. You're in a theater. Of course, you're sitting down. For the first time, Ronald McDonald will take an active role on McDonald's social media channels and engage consumers using the Ronald McDonald hashtag. It's happening, people. (laughs) You laugh, but think about it. When's the last time you went to McDonald's? You've probably been avoiding it because their upsetting clown mascot was not tweeting enough. (laughs) It's a pretty genius move. (laughs) This is not just an online makeover, though, you guys. He's getting hip on every possible front including the sartorial front, Ronald McDonald will be sporting a new wardrobe, which includes yellow cargo pants and a vest. (laughs) I see a look of concern in some of your eyes here at the Alberta Rose Theater because you're asking, Luke, what about his iconic big red shoes? Will they remain the same? (laughs) You'll be happy to know that his iconic big red shoes will remain the same. Yeah. But Luke, what about special occasions, you ask? Great question. Reserved for special occasions, Ronald has a whimsical new red blazer 
with the golden arches on the front pocket. This sounds like a real winner, you guys. I think the question, though, hanging in all of our minds is, what does Dean Barrett, Senior Vice President of Global Relationships for McDonald's, think? Does he like the idea? Does he not like the idea? Turns out he loves the idea. <laughs> he even gave them a quote for the press release. Customers today want to engage with brands in different ways, and Ronald will continue to evolve to be modern and relevant. Which is what I think the cargo pants are about. <laughs> Being highly relevant. So this is sort of, just needs one more piece of the puzzle, if you ask me, and that would be Ronald McDonald's approval. And you might be amazed to hear, he likes this too. Ronald McDonald can't wait to connect with people through social media. Selfies, here I come. It's a big world, and now wherever I go and whatever I do, I'm ready to show how fun can make great things happen. I don't want to stop the fun train on you guys, but I do think that this particular part of the press release raises some real questions, because Ronald McDonald is not a real person. So who did they get that quote from? Is it the guy who plays Ronald McDonald? Did he have to put on the makeup before he could tell them that quote over the phone? Is there a staffer who has to try to inhabit the mind of Ronald McDonald and write quotes from his perspective? I assume she's a junior staffer. Her name is Brittany. She's trying to pay off her student loans at UCLA. Should explain the, the selfies part. I just want to say I'm not a McDonald's hater. I have darkened the drive-through door of that place many a time. But if I could just, if I could offer from just a humble public radio uh, host a little unsolicited advice uh, to the McDonald's Corporation, I guess I would say if you want to be seen as a more attractive place for families and parents and kids, maybe get rid of the mascot who sets off an Amber Alert every time he goes to a playground. You guys, let's see if fun does make great thing happen right here on this Livewire episode. Because we do air on publicly funded radio stations and because we record here in the artisanal heathen town known as Portland, Oregon. We, do, we try to keep the show pretty secular, but that does not mean that we are above a good old-fashioned tent revival every once in a while. Case in point, tonight's band, Ages and Ages... They are just about to fill the Alberta Rose Theater with a joyful, yet still totally secular sound. Back from a U.S. tour with Lake Street Dive with songs from their brand new record, Divisionary. Please welcome Ages and Ages to Livewire. Oh, all I want to say are the only words with any meaning, yeah. And I'll feel that way even though there's some who feel nothing at all. But we're not like that, and you know when you know we got our reasons, yeah. Never been like that, cause there ain't no safety where they sinkin'. So, all I want to say are the only words with any meaning, yeah. And I'll feel that way even though there's some who feel nothing at all. But we're not like that, and you know when you know we got our reasons, yeah. Never been like that, cause there ain't no safety where they sinkin'. So, don't let them shake you up so easy, oh. They'll never shake us off so easy, oh. 
All I wanna say are the only words with any meaning, yeah. And I'll be that way till the light goes, the light goes, the light goes. So familiar with the abstract, ever out of reach in the pattern of it all. Outs to the unknown, I could never turn it off. I kept up with the verses in my head, running right along beside them all day. But there came a point where I found myself wondering if I was even running or just running away. I wanna live an honest life, wanna make myself right for whatever's gonna come. I see no purpose in avoiding the struggle inside, like it isn't going on. Some say that you're probably better off, so ignore it any time that you can. But how it is, we'd be better off for it, really, I don't understand, I won't ever understand. They don't speak, they don't speak for me, no. They don't speak, they don't speak for me, no. They don't speak, they don't speak for me, no, they don't speak, they don't, don't, they don't, they don't speak, they don't speak for me, no, they don't speak, they don't speak for me, no, they don't speak, they don't speak for me, no, they don't speak, they don't, don't, they don't, they don't speak, they don't speak for me, no, they don't speak, they don't speak for me, no, they don't speak, they don't speak for me, no, they don't speak, they don't, don't, they don't, they don't Ladies and gentlemen, right here on Livewire Radio. That was great. Thanks, you guys. I got it, Mom. Hello. Hey, Ames. It's Todd. Todd? Hey, is everything okay? How's college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's fine. Uh, college is good. Are you sure? Mom said you were sick last week. <gasps> Are you really sick? No, Ames. I'm fine. But you're calling. No one ever calls people anymore. I, I just wanted to hear my kid sister's voice, that's all. Oh, God, you are sick. Mom, Todd's calling from school. Oh, sweet Jesus, give me the phone. Todd, I told St. Christopher to watch over you, and if he has let me down, I swear... Mom, I'm... Mom, Mom, I'm fine. I just called to say hi. Well, who does that? Well, you just texted yesterday. You already said hi. Well, this must be bad if you have to say it with your mouth. 
Your sister's right. You have a thing, don't you? No, I don't have a thing. What does that even mean? Oh, no, I get it. It's something you can't talk about with me. I'll get your father. Honey, Todd's on the phone. I think he has a social disease or something, and he needs to talk to you. He called? Who calls people? That's exactly what I said. Todders, it's Dad. Listen, son, did you sleep with the wrong person? We've all done it, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Your mother and I did it at least twice. Marvin! Dad, gross! Hey, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this, okay? Get off my back. I didn't sleep with anyone, Dad. I wanted to hear about your golf game, okay? Did you play this week? No, 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 I'm not buying it. You're being evasive, son. The last time this phone rang, it was the police telling me to bail out your sister out of jail because she shoplifted a magazine with that Zooey Desk Channel on the cover. Oh, I bet Suey just channel never stole a magazine. I get it, Dad. No, I, I didn't know Amy got arrested. You see, I'm totally out of touch, and I, and I miss you guys. I, I, he's throwing up a wall. He's just walling me out. Okay, you try. Oh, Todd, your sister got arrested, and we still love her. I mean, you're really starting to scare me. Walling me out! What, what are you guys talking about? Can't a guy just freaking call his family? No, Todd, he really can't. I mean, you can text or email or Snapchat or I am and maybe even Skype, but in today's society, a phone call is either a cry for help or an overt act of aggression. (gasps) Are you mad at me? No, well, I wasn't before I called, Mom, but now I'm not so sure. I knew it, Todd. If you are angry at us, there are plenty of healthy ways to deal with it, but dialing a phone is not one of them. I thought we did a better job of raising you than this. Mom, please, just just tell me what's going on with you. I, I know you've been under the weather, in fact. <gasps> oh, my God. I'm the one who's sick. I'm dying, aren't I? I'm dying. Marvin, what? I'm dying. And you get your poor son to call me and tell me, oh, you have always been a coward. I'm the coward? You're the one who never told him that he was adopted. Wait, 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 wait. What? what, what I'm sorry, what'd you say? Todd's adopted? Oh, please, either one of us could have dropped that bomb, but no, you were too busy golfing with Helen from the cul-de-sac. Todd, you can't see me, but I was doing air quotes. All right, give, give me that phone. Todd, you are tearing this family apart. Never call here again. Dad, I just... Uh, wait, are you, are you having an affair? Then text with... me later. Wait, wait, Dad, don't hang up. I'm gay! What did he say? I don't know. Something about being happy. That was Laura Faye Smith, Andrew Harris, Sean McGrath, and Courtney Baumeister. Hey, you're listening to Livewire Radio from Portland, Oregon, the only variety show to have ever lost its mojo and then scoured the world, saving innocent lives and learning many lessons only to rediscover its mojo in an opium den in Duluth, Minnesota. It was right where we left it. Stay tuned. Coming up, we've got actress Wendy McClendon-Covey from ABC's The Goldbergs and Reno 911, Jeopardy mega champion Ken Jennings, and more from Ages and Ages. We'll be right back. The Livewire podcast is sponsored by Ergo Depot, a company committed to healthy furniture and healthy communities. On the furniture end of things, they've got an entire line of sit-stand desks and ergonomically designed chairs to keep your spine from feeling like an unattractively shaped pretzel. And on the community side, they'll match any charitable donation to Livewire or any nonprofit for 30 days after the purchase of said chair or desk. That's what's known as putting your money where your... 
healthy spine is, or whatever they say. Find out more information at ergodepot.com. Welcome back to LiveWire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank. After training with the legendary groundlings in L.A., Wendy McClendon-Covey first clawed her way into our hearts with the perfectly manicured fingernails of Detective Clementine Johnson on Reno 911. Since then, you've seen her make great comedy even better in projects like Bridesmaids, Modern Family, and now she's absolutely killing it as the charmingly overbearing Beverly on ABC's The Goldbergs. Please welcome actress and improviser Wendy McClendon-Covey to LiveWire. Welcome to LiveWire, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Um, Hi. I, uh, I did a little <laughs> uh, Google search of your name recently when I was yeah. preparing for this interview. Are you familiar with the second result when you uh, Google Wendy? Is it something about my feet? It is, is in it fact something dirty about my feet. It's well, I mean, define dirty. It is Wendy McClendon Covey's feet. Yeah. On yeah, a, a I wiki know. feet site. I know. Well, look, can you blame anyone for <laughs> wanting to get in on that action? I know, isn't it creepy? How? And you know, when you do a press line, they take pictures of your feet. They take pictures of your hands and your feet and all your business. So that it can be it's parceled creepy. out to each weird website where someone likes that yeah, body part. Gonna, they're going to make money on some part of your body. I know, it's gross. Is it kind of flattering, though? Yeah. <laughs> it is. I, you know, if I can't sell it here, I can sell it here. If you Google my name... I'll the, always have a job. The second thing that comes up for me is uh, O's Columbia House CD Company, $84. <laughs> oh, you fell for so that, you too, You should huh? take hot feet. Yeah. Um... I am loving the show, The Goldbergs, that you're on. Thank you. Um, it is so funny um, to be on network TV. Is that an insult? I just mean... No, it's not. It's, um, yeah, I always thought I was too weird for network TV, so I was uh, very flattered that they came to me. They came to me. <laughs> so, yeah, right? They were like, like we like your we feet. We think you can do it. Yeah, you've got the feet this job requires. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you for saying that. I love doing it. I love, I love that show, which is on at 9 p.m. on ABC on Tuesday nights. Well, can you describe it for folks who have not seen The Goldbergs? Yeah, it's, um, you can kind of say it's the wonder years, maybe for the 80s generation. And it, our, our creator, Adam F. Goldberg, uh, videotaped everything that ever happened in his house. His parents bought him a video camera to keep him occupied. Well, too bad for them. I've seen them in their underwear. I've seen everything that ever happened in that house. And when they approached me to do the job, they showed me a video package of the family and I said, yep, yep, yep. I don't need to take any more meetings. This is it. I want to do this. If this isn't funny, I don't know what funny is. Did you base then your performance on the actual mom? Yeah, she's alive. She's alive. I've met her. I wear her sweaters on the show. She sent a big box of clothes to me. And I was nervous meeting her because they call her a smother, and that's no joke. 
Yeah, I think the, it's a very the, descriptive word. In the show, the characters a, refer to her as smother. their smother. But, like, she loved her family with a ferocity that I'm sure a lot of people, you know, can understand if you have kids. But she'd make people cry. Like, I'm the mom, and you don't say anything to my child. I will drive wherever I have to. I will bake you goodies, or I will make you cry. And I will make generations before you cry if you dare to look at my kid the wrong way. So and she you know, was... I'd be the same way if I had kids. Really? Yeah. So when you're doing this character, you're, you're also going to a place of honesty for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's part of my process, a real place of honesty. But you don't have kids. I don't. I would keep it that way. But I guard my cats with the same ferocity. And my husband. You say one thing that I could... Uh, don't mess with my husband. Your husband is like 6'11". Yes. He could probably take care but, of himself. And, but, and when you look at him, you smile. You don't, I'll get in your face. <laughs> you say anything bad about my feet, it's the same way. Um, when I, <laughs> so obnoxious. I, I, do they put shows like this through endless notes, though? Because when I said at the beginning that I think it's so great for being on network television, and, and you mentioned you thought maybe you were too, yeah. too weird for it, it seems like a lot of network comedies have all of the funny weirdness taken off of them because they get subjected to so much feedback. How did you guys run that gauntlet with the Goldbergs? You know, they don't give us a lot of notes. I don't know how. Okay, one thing that they did say is one time... We did a skating rink episode, and I say to my oldest son, your ball's hanging out. They made us take that out. What did they replace it with? Uh, what did they replace it with? I think they just didn't replace it with anything. I think That's a did. shame. It's one of those, let's cut it for time. I know, it was a shame. Because you know what? It was hanging out. I also noticed that um, the show is narrated by Patton Oswalt, yeah. which is great. It really is. You don't take it as an insult when people say it's Wonder Years-esque because, I mean, it no. has a narrator. It's about a kid's life. It's, but I'm 30, about to be 38, and it's, whereas the Wonder Years... You look amazing. Thank you. Um, I use a lot of creams, mm -hmm. about half of which are legal in the U.S. The rest I just Whatever get works. from Mexico yeah, yeah. online. I don't judge. Um, but so this, the Goldbergs is like perfectly in, like you had an episode about laser tag, which yeah. almost, I had two things I cared about in life as a kid. One was trying to get my hands on pornography and yeah. one was trying to go play laser tag. <laughs> kind of okay, successful right. in both departments, but I just love it. It's really pitch perfect with all yeah. of the stuff. Yeah. Well, one thing is um, we are never specific on the year. And that drives some people crazy. So we might talk about the Reebok pump in one episode, and in the same episode talk about the Goonies. Yes, they are not, they were completely different years, but who cares? We always say it's 1980-something. Don't overthink it. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And we're going to have a Return of the Jedi episode soon. <gasps> Can you get clearance oh. on that? What's that? Isn't it? I mean, what about the rights to that? Can you guys get the rights? Where you have, have to call them. it like Return of the Not Jedi? Not only do we have them, we're going to Skywalker Ranch. They're hosting us. Wow. Isn't that nuts? That is really nuts. Do I, do I'm, I get to come? I'm cleaning my feet for it. See, that's a callback. I'm going to yeah. keep talking about my fabulous feet. 
We're talking to Wendy McClendon-Covey. She's on ABC's The Goldbergs. You may know her also from Bridesmaids and Reno 911. You may know this show as a thing coming out of your radio right now called Livewire. Um, when you did those other shows, like Reno 911, and I assume the movie Bridesmaids, because there were so many great improvisers involved in that project, um, you guys did improv a lot. When you're doing this new show, The Goldbergs, it's probably really tightly scripted, right? Do you miss the getting to just riff thing? You know what? They let me improv with the physical stuff. Um, like when there was an episode where you were miming something behind your kid's back yeah, for Jeff yeah. Garland, who plays your husband, because yes. he's a terrible father. You're trying to help him understand that it's your kid's birthday, which mm-hmm. he is forgetting. Yeah. All that like stuff you're doing, are you That's making all, that up? They didn't know I was such a champion roller skater. They didn't know I'm not afraid to wrestle. So like, they just let me go. But writing-wise, doesn't need it doesn't need it. Is that easier, though, to just do lines that somebody else wrote as opposed to, like, you're in a scene, there's no dialogue. It's a lot of pressure, right, to actually come up with something? I love that. I love it. I love that free fall. And yet I hate playing improv games. (laughs) Right? They're insufferable. Someone's clapping. Actually, Wendy, we've uh, we've called you here to play an improv game. I need... I need oh, a, a line of work and a breakfast cereal. Um, okay, yeah. I, I, I have to ask you about something because yeah. you're, you're so well known for the very beloved show, Reno 911. Also, as I mentioned, you were amazing in Bridesmaids. When I talked to you before the show, you said, do not on your life, Burbank, bring those up because right. I don't talk about the past. Yeah. What's going on with that? I'm superstitious. <laughs> I'm superstitious. And once something's over, you move on. It's bad luck to keep talking about it. Let's talk about <laughs> something that you have in the future, which is a, okay. a movie that is coming out soon and with Adam Sandler, because he yeah. is box office poison. Has made no money in theaters, so yeah. good luck with that. With, with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, it's like the first time they've collaborated in a while, so it's called Blended. Maybe you've seen it, they, or seen ads for it. They go to Africa. If they saw it, they bit-torrented well, the, it, and they're in big trouble. Yes. So it's not out you, yet. You might have seen the trailers when you go uh, see Single Moms Club. Oh, wait, you're not seeing that? Well, I'm in it, so whatever. <laughs> um, and it's in theaters now. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> when you're, when you're ta- like acting with a Adam Sandler or a Drew yes. Barrymore, do you get nervous at all because they're really famous? Yeah. Yeah, big time. Big time. What if they hate me? What if I get fired? I always think I'm going to get fired, like five minutes in. But Drew's the nicest person in the world, truly. Like, she's everything you want her to be. And Adam's super sweet, super funny. He's got people working for him. He's very loyal to his, his staff. He's got people working for him that have worked for him forever and ever. And... Um, you know, I think he thinks, well, I hired you, so I'm familiar with what you do, so just come and do that. Do you have a go-to? Do you have, like, a little thing in your bag of tricks that if you are in minute five and you think you're being fired, you're like, okay, Wendy, bring out the big guns. And I am talking about your feet, by the way. That's what it is. I take my shoes off. <laughs> no, um, no, I don't. I, but I, I go into every job feeling like, okay, well, I'm going to get fired today and I, and I will just uh, just surround myself in white light maybe 
sprinkle salt around the ground. <laughs> no, because you, that's one thing that you got to check up on your list. When you're going to be an actor, you got to let your ego go. You're going to get fired at least once, probably five or six times. And it's not going to be your fault. How do it, they, how do they just, tell you that you're being fired? Uh, we're getting you a plane ticket. And we're going to drive you back to the hotel and get you home. That yeah. just sounds like a like long one day, one day you'll get fired. Mm -hmm. One day you'll have to replace somebody else. One day someone's going to call you ugly. The next day they're going to call you fat. Then the next day they're going to tell you you're the most beautiful thing they've ever seen and that your feet should be worshipped. <laughs> it's just something you... Yeah. And that's all in Get one episode later. of Livewire. That's Wire. all in one episode. That <laughs> yeah. is just an I amazing know, that's all in the green room. That all happened in the green room, and I got here at nine. That's right. yeah. Wendy McClendon Covey, ladies and gentlemen. Her new show is The Goldbergs. <laughs> Livewire is brought to you in part by Whole Foods Market, maintaining relationships with local growers to offer customers organic produce free of pesticides. Whole Foods Market, keeping you from growing a third ear, because ears are already weird and two are probably more than enough. More information at eataspromised.com. After winning a record-setting 74 games of Jeopardy in a row, our next guest was called the Michael Jordan of Trivia, and more troublingly, the Seabiscuit of Geekdom. <laughs> During his run, Ken Jennings won over $2 million, which you might be shocked to hear led him to quit his job as a software engineer. He's now a best-selling author. His latest offering is Ken Jennings Junior Genius Guides, an obvious attempt to create a future super race of dead-eyed mini Kenjens, well-versed in subjects like Greek mythology, maps, and U.S. presidents. Please welcome our planet's eventual overlord, Ken Jennings, to Livewire. <laughs> Hi, Ken. Hey, Luke. Thank you, guys. These people are very excited that you're here, which tells you it's a public radio that, crowd. That's, that, that strikes me as incredibly improbable, but thank you for pretending. Um, we're staying in the same hotel, and I overheard the front desk staff today trying to figure out nervously how they were going to act normal around you. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, they're doing a great job. They haven't tipped their hand at all. They just seem like they're running a hotel. They were making a whole plan about not being starstruck. I'm wondering, how often do you get recognized when you're in public? Well, it's, uh, it's not that often anymore, i got to say. I mean, I was on Jeopardy ten years ago. If that, I don't know, does that make you feel old? That but makes you me were feel on old. Jeopardy for nine years. <laughs> so. well, I mean, the fact that it was ten years ago, when you think about the average Jeopardy demographic, most of the people who would recognize me and bug me in the mall are now dead. Right. So... <laughs> It's, it's not so often anymore, for sad reasons. <laughs> what is, uh, other than being dead, what is the typical profile of the kind of person who, <laughs> who approaches you? I assume, like, super athletic, kind of good-looking, outdoorsy types? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, because they, they, come in from their, uh, <laughs> they come in from their mountain biking, they turn on Jeopardy and wheel, and, uh, and that's, what they, <laughs> that's what they watch. Uh, it skews smart, you know, it skews geeky. Uh, it's definitely either young or old. It's a, it's a bimodal distribution, of, you know, if, if I wanted to sound smart, you know. Yeah. People with jobs and, you know, families, they're not really planning their evening around a game show. 
But hey, college students smoking weed, old people, you know, disapproving of college students smoking weed. Right. These, are the, these are the pillars of Jeopardy's audience. They are huge demographics fans here at the Alberta Rose <laughs> Theater. Who heard about yeah. demographics? I, I'm so fascinated by your run on Jeopardy because you were such a normal person beforehand. You had a family. You were good at knowing a lot of facts that were, many of them, useless. And then this bolt of lightning hit that was Jeopardy, and your life was sort of never the same after, right? Is the implication that I'm not a normal person anymore? Well, what uh, has happened to you is not what typically happens to normal people, which is one day you're doing computer software programming, and then you win 74 Jeopardies in a row. It was a weird bolt of lightning. You know, like, uh, it, it was like a midlife crisis, except better, because... <laughs> <laughs> because I was being on a game show and I got a huge check in the mail, you know? Um, I, was, I was not particularly happy in my computer job. I wasn't that great at it, honestly. And, uh, you know, I, I, apparently my wife says I was always just bugging her. Maybe I should go back to school. What am I going to do? What am I doing with my life? Yeah. You were always uh, phrasing your code in the form of a question, <laughs> very, which is not very, computer very literate. Very confusing. Yeah, very yeah. confusing. The computer does not appreciate yeah. that. Um, Do you think that you would have um, gone on to have a happy life had you not had this sort of stroke of uh, amazing luck? I honestly think I wouldn't have, which is funny. It's like one of these, um, like that Gwyneth Paltrow movie where she gets on the subway. Sliding doors. Sliding doors. Luke's a, Luke's a big fan of the... Uh, <laughs> have it on Laserdisc. <laughs> Jealous. So I'm sure there's some alternate version of me that never went on a game show and is still sitting in that office job just hating life and wondering what's going to get me out of here, never knowing that it was a Canadian game show host. You know, that's all it would have taken is Alex Trebek, you know, like a fairy godmother touching me with his wand, you know? Uh, for the people out there here in, in the audience at the Alberta Rose and also listening in Radioland who are pretty fascinated with, with Jeopardy, what surprised you the most when, you're, when you got up there and you're standing behind the podium and you're just actually taking it all in? Um, it's, uh, it's so much more intense than you think at home. You watch the show at home and it seems, people are laughing, it seems chill, right? There's this nice old Canadian guy who asks questions and these three sort of nerdy people in bad sweaters take turns answering them, right? You know, it's, it all seems very polite and orderly. And man, it's actually a war zone when you're there. You know, the, the, the stuff just comes at you so fast and you, your brain really can't even keep up with the, the pace and the intensity of it. And uh, it's, it's over before you've even realized what's going on. And then they tell you if you won or lost. That's, that's, that's literally how it is. Um, for the final Jeopardy thing, first of all, why is the handwriting so bad? Because these are supposed to be smart people. <laughs> I don't know if handwriting correlates with uh, intelligence. Um, it's definitely this very, very old light pen, like from, they got from some Amiga computer in <laughs> like, like 1989, and they're still using it on, on Jeopardy. So part of it's technology. And, uh, and part of it, I'm sure, is nerves. You just got some Parkinsonian-like tremor of just like... <laughs> Hearing that irritating music and knowing that your whole future is right. Are on they it. playing the music in real time? Yes, you actually hear that. That's your only cue. There's no clock or anything. So you're listening for that timpani at the bum, end? Bum. Oh, I probably don't have the rights to it. I can't hum it. <laughs> yes. The, uh, I, I almost got you in legal trouble with yeah. the Merv Griffin estate. Yes. That, <laughs> that timpani means wrap it up because you're, you're screwed. You know, you're, you're done. You, you better have an answer. Do you know right away, like you, you did this successfully 74 times, did you 
um, know instantly when they did the final Jeopardy question the right answer? Or did you ever have that thing where you used up almost the entire song puzzling through it and then like grasped at the last moment? Yeah, if you watch the show, you'll see that the final Jeopardy question is usually designed to be, uh, to be guessable, you know? You're sort of trying to psychoanalyze the question itself. So even if you don't know the fact, you know, what makes sense here? You know, what, why did they ask the question this way? You know, what is this question's raison d'etre? You know, it's reason for being, you know? And you don't you have get... to translate. This is a public radio crowd. <laughs> I don't know what morning zoo radio you've been doing, but these people get it. About, about half the audience is listening to simultaneous French translation right That's now. Right. Just, just to make it hard yeah. for themselves. Who here has kids in Japanese immersion? Raise your hand. <laughs> People in the front row are shocked. We've also been following you. Sorry. So um, you're just saying that it's... Uh, what can, were you saying? You can figure out Final <laughs> It was so memorable. You can often figure out Final Jeopardy, and often it would sort of come to me right at the end, and then you're, you know, sort of scribbling with this 1990s-era light pen, trying to get an answer out before Trebek calls on you. Were you, um, I should also remind people, this is Livewire Radio, we're talking to Ken Jennings. He's uh, well-known for winning a bunch of Jeopardy episodes. He's also got some new books out, Ken Jennings' Junior Genius Guides. Um, When you were finally done with the run, what was That's the That's a feeling? nice way to say it, by the way. That's a nice way to say it. When you were done with the run. When you were not as good at Jeopardy <laughs> as a lady <laughs> who is on Jeopardy with you. When you were... How did that feel finally? When were you, you kind of relieved? When you were not in first place, but in first place plus or minus one. Did you at least get second place on the episode you lost? I did take second place. I got a runner-up check, in fact. What was the question for Final Jeopardy on uh, that one? If you... Uh, you may, rec- may or may not recall, it was about a company where most of its workers are seasonal. They only work a few months out of the year. And I had no clue. Like, I thought it was going to be some holiday season thing, like, the, you know, the post office or FedEx or, you know, UPS, I don't know. It's H&R Block. It's actually tax season. Ah. And it's mostly that guy standing in a soggy Statue of Liberty <laughs> right. outfit. That guy. I want him to do my taxes. He seems reputable. <laughs> um, so you are clearly a very bright guy. You've got kids. You've written these books that are aimed at kind of, I guess, what, sparking the imagination of, of smart kids. Are you insufferable as a, as a dad to your kids? <laughs> I hope not. You know, um, because the funny thing is kids are the only people in the world that want their dad to be some, uh, uh, you know, omniscient trivia guru. You know, because kids are constantly like... You're saying wives don't want that? <laughs> I think that would be the understatement of the year to say that wives do not want that. But kids, but kids, especially their dads, for whatever reason, think their dad should know everything. You know, why is the sky blue? Okay, but at sunset, why did it turn pink? And, uh, you know, and why, uh, you know, why does a curveball curve? And, you know, they got 100 questions a day, and they're not happy with, uh, you know, ask your mother or, you know, sometimes you can trick them. You can make up a lie. That often works. But uh, they're not happy with, well, let's, let's go look it up on Wikipedia when we get home. You know, kids want you to know everything. Why does a curveball curve? I'm actually curious about that. <laughs> it's something, something called the Magnus effect. Something about the rotation of the ball changes the pressure of the air on different sides of the ball. I don't know. So your kids kind of know what's going on. <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is, even when you explain the answer to your kids, whether it's right or wrong, they don't remember. Because, because kids, by and large, are idiots, you know? Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's book four in the series. Like, they stopped listening as soon as a grown-up started talking longer, you know, longer than, like, six words. Even if you're answering a question they wanted to know, you know? So often you can sort of, if you sound convincing for six words, then you can sort of vamp a bit. 
Um, I know another thing about you that hasn't been talked about a ton is that you happen to be of the Mormon faith. And I'm sort of curious when you're writing in one of these, oh, by the way, after party in Ken's hotel room. Um, Don't tell the staff, they're still a little bit weird about yeah. me, so. Um, when you're writing something in one of your new books, uh, or, I mean, you've written books for adults, you've written books for kids now, and there's something where the scientific knowledge um, deviates from, let's say, the writing in the Book of Mormon or the Bible. What do you do? Well, Mormons are sort of in a lucky boat. There. They're, you know, they're not stuck with you know, this sort of literal, inerrant view of the Bible the way a lot of maybe evangelicals are. You know, Mormons are... Uh, you know, maybe not famous for open-mindedness in the world at large, but, uh, you know, in fact, Mormons believe that, um, you know, truth can come from anywhere, that, you know, God could give you new knowledge at any time. So, in fact, like, knowledge and learning are actually very, uh, they're very prized in the Mormon community. You know, uh, there's a saying in Mormon scripture, the glory of God is intelligence, you know, that, that God's happy when we're learning, and that's really the only thing that we get in this life that we could take with us, you know? So it's actually a big part of my upbringing, you know, just this idea that we are the things that we know, you know, that all of us were the sum of what's in our head, you know, if that makes are sense. Are you just like a Mormon hero? <laughs> it's got to be like Steve Young and then you. <laughs> With like I, an Osmond, Ricky Osmond or something thrown in. I don't think, it's not like the Scientologists where we have an official ranking, you know, like... <laughs> like, like a... Like, I don't get better communion bread at church, you know, like... Uh, By the way, they suck at Jeopardy, Scientologists. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> I can't get clear of these engrams. <laughs> Eight <laughs> people who once took a stress test get that joke. <laughs> they always leave the final Jeopardy screen just clear, you know? <laughs> and they're... Uh, that yeah. was good. That was quality material. So you and I, um, you and I both... By the way, I've got to say, it's a little unseemly to have a Mormon guy criticizing Scientologists. You know, it's like, it's we probably... found somebody weirder than us, all right. <laughs> I feel bad. Uh, you and I both uh, participate occasionally in the uh, quiz show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, on NPR. Yes. I'm wondering, what is more stressful to you, being on Jeopardy or, or doing Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? I feel like Wait, Wait is so much harder, you know? On Jeopardy, you know, if you give the right answer, you're good. On, on Wait, Wait, really, nobody's, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not even supposed to get the right answer, really. That doesn't, doesn't help their format for... <laughs> they, don't, they don't care if the celebrities are smart. Right. You know, they're hoping you'll be funny, and it's often hard to play a game show and then try to be funny with the other part of your brain, which is why, if you've watched Jeopardy... They're never funny, you know. You've, really? You've heard them tell their stories about their cat and whatnot. Hey, yeah, what is the deal? <laughs> what on earth is the deal with the interviews? Who is setting those up? <laughs> this is what happens, you know, the, you know. The part of your brain that's playing this intense game show is not going to give over to the, the chatty Dick Cavett part of your brain, you know, for 30 seconds. And so you have all these people just struggling through these terrible stories, and... By the numbers, somebody on Jeopardy sometime must have been interesting. I assume, but you would not, you would not know it from these You got pretty right? good, though. You had 74 tries at it. What was your anecdote that you were the most proud of? <laughs> they were all, they're all terrible. Like, I, like I remember, uh, you know, we, we soon ran out of stuff to talk about. So, Trebek, you were just shooting the bull, you know? Like, uh, sup, Alex, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, I won't go there. Yeah. And just backed slowly away. That's, 
That's sort of his interview mode. Like, That's uh, his eject button, and I'm sick of it, frankly. I hope you'll talk to him next time you're on the show. Because he's, he's not even listening, really. You, know, you, you, you say whatever, and he's like, oh, okay. Now I... <laughs> Millard Fillmore... And then he's like, and our returning champion, you know? And that's when you're like, I don't even exist anymore, you know? I, I could talk to you about Jeopardy-related stuff forever, uh, Mr. Ken Jennings. By the way, Ken Jennings here on Livewire Radio. But we have now officially reached the part of the show, Ken, where you and I share a quiet snack and ask each other a few questions in our segment called Questions and Appetizers. Hi, Luke. Hi, Andrew Harris. Could you um, tell me what Ken Jen and I will be enjoying during questions and appetizers, and also what is questions and appetizers? Yes. Tonight from Branch Whiskey Bar, we have three very delicious appetizers. We have prosciutto-wrapped dates and what looks to be rosemary skewers. We have Castelvetrano olives, which are also spiced. And we have lobster dumplings. And if I may, may remind you of the rules of questions and appetizers is you must have a conversation, but that conversation must consist only of questions. If we hear a statement out of one of you, then uh, I will ring the bell and you will lose one of these delicious appetizers to my mouth. <laughs> By the way, Andrew Harris, creator of this bit. All right. So, um, have you ever done this before, Ken? Oh, I answer in the form of a question all the time. <laughs> that's, that's sort of my thing. Have you played this game before, though? I used to play this in high school. It's in, uh, it's in a Tom Stockton Of course, you like the world's it's best at it. It's in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. No, I haven't done this for 20 years. This is okay, so the, the game is we are going to talk, but we can only use questions. And if one of us uh, forgets to use a question, Andrew gets to eat? Yeah. All right. Uh, are we putting two minutes on the clock? One minute on the clock. Okay, I will start. Uh, what are you, some kind of smarty pants? Are we starting the game? Are we? <laughs> you, think, you think this is how the game should be played? <laughs> how long do I have to respond? <laughs> do you guys in the crowd think you took too long? Do you think that's an appropriate question coming from you? Should I be able to ask the crowd? That took too long. <laughs> Andrew is taking down a Serrano ham and Manchego cheese croquette. I'm not sure how this serves the game, but he this sure is, seems to be having a great time. This is your punishment for taking too long to answer the question. All right, one more round. Can we, can, can we please try one more round? Because I... Okay, we're restarting the clock, the clock at 30 seconds. Uh, Ken Jin, would you, you can start this one. Okay. Uh, do you like those olives? Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's a softball. It is, I'm going to tell you, it is good that my job is not to ask questions on stage <laughs> of people. That is a huge relief for everybody. I'm having like an aphasia up here. Uh, Andrew, what are you enjoying now? Oh, it's a, a, a prosciutto wrap date. Oh, okay. All right. Um, 
20 more seconds. Let's see how many times I can F this up. Uh, Ken, have you always been this good at this game? Why do you ask? Um, because I'm wondering. Uh, That's not a... I went up at the end. <laughs> you, you can't do that on Jeopardy either. You can't be like Grover Cleveland. You gotta say what is. Andrew, how's it going over there? Oh, this lobster is delicious. <laughs> oh my God. All right, we have eight seconds. How, honestly, can I go eight seconds is, I think, the um, question on everybody's mind. Okay, oh, it's starting. Um, you start, Ken. Okay, um, do you feel like you have a chance this time? Do you think it's been going well? <laughs> Why would I be the one who knows that? Why can't... Yeah, didn't quite lose the last round. That has been the worst round ever of questions and appetizers with Ken Jennings and Andrew Harris. You know what the problem is? I have not eaten since like 2 o'clock this afternoon. If I could have just gotten one of those appetizers in me, I might have been able to rally. So the format is we never get food? Yeah. <laughs> Does that seem fair to you? Some other guy comes on stage and eats food and leaves. That's how we treat our guests? <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> now I'm the best at this game? <laughs> Ken Jennings, ladies and gentlemen. I squirreled away some of these olives, and now Jillian's taking them away. All right, we'll be right back. Amanda, welcome. I'm Dr. Abernathy. <clears throat> I'm a psychologist specializing in addiction. Can you tell me why you're here today? I don't think I need help. My husband David thinks I have an addiction to those personality quizzes on Facebook, and he says I'm spending all my free time taking them. I don't need any help. He insisted I come here. Well, do you think you do that? Do you think you spend a lot of time taking quizzes? No. Amanda, what were you doing when I came in a minute ago? Taking a quiz. Yeah, okay. So tell me a little bit about the quizzes. They're fun. They used to be anyway. They don't cost anything and they let the world know what kind of person you are. Okay. Can you give me an example? Uh, well, yesterday I took a quiz and found out I'm an amber ale from Belgium. That's uh, <laughs> due to my sophistication and old world charm. Uh-huh. 
Now, you mentioned they used to be fun. So when did they stop being fun? Well, uh, when they stopped giving me the right answers, like, what Disney princess are you? It said I was Sleeping Beauty? Well, Sleeping Beauty <laughs> is a wonderful princess. She's the worst. I always get Snow White. Always. Oh, so you've taken this quiz before. Yes, it's one of my regular Wednesday quizzes. So what did you do? Well, I took it again, and I chose different answers, and I got Cinderella. I couldn't get it to give me Snow White. So are you saying you sometimes don't answer truthfully? Well, in the end, whatever I select is the truth, right? No, that's not... Okay, do you know what truth means? My point is... Now I'm not getting the answer I should, and it's embarrassing. I mean, I have to post the results on Facebook. Okay. Um, I have to. All right, I understand. Your intake sheet here lists 91 quizzes. Do you have any favorites? Gosh, um, what city should you live in? Which Harry Potter character are you? How sweary are you? <laughs> uh, what shade of green are you? How likely are you to murder a child? Uh, what music era do you belong in? And you usually get... Miami, Hermione, very emerald, not at all, in the 70s. Ah. And what are you getting now? Missouri, Hagrid, not at all, teal, very likely, and Edwardian. Okay. Amanda, I'm going to ask you some questions based on some quizzes you've already taken, okay? What 30 Rock character are you? Liz Lemon. And what high school should you have gone to? High School for the Performing Arts in New York. And what classic board game best describes you? Stratego. And which season of NYPD Blue are you? Season 7. And which defunct 1990s soda are you? Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> and what piece of classic nostalgia are you? A 1979 Hot Wheels ramp. And what anything are you? I'm a molecule of aluminum fluoride. It's used as a coating material for mirrors and lasers. Hmm. That's me. Okay. What? What is it? They don't add up? No. No, I'm afraid they do not. I, I mean, we typically find that if people are Liz Lemon, they'll probably have gone to school in Chicago. They'll never be past season five of NYPD Blue. They'd be an okayed soda. They'll be a Cabbage Patch doll or a Care Bear, and they'll never be anything but a chemical compound or a polymer. Oh, my God. What do I do? Well, Amanda, you're an amber ale from Belgium. Now that's something we can work with. Now most people come in here, they don't know if they are a pilsner or a common lager. So I can help you. Thank you. Excellent. So let's take one final quiz about your agricultural knowledge. We're going to see if you might be right for Farmville. That is Laura Faye Smith and Wendy McClendon Covey. All right, one more time. Give it up, Alberta Rose Theater, for ages and ages. In light of day, we made a move through the rest of darkness that had lost its will to deflect a fight that we had won so easily back. When things were getting old Now when this happened I was weighed, I was worn I lost some malleable pose I had sworn To never end up in again As it turns out now I know that I was wrong 
talented ages and ages that's been our show thank you so much we'll see you next week our thanks to our guests Wendy McClendon Covey Ken Jennings and ages and ages this show is made possible in part by our sponsors New Belgium Brewing Company Whole Foods Market Ergo Depot and Laughing Planet Cafe hotel accommodations generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe Robin Tenenbaum is the co-creator and executive producer of Livewire. Courtney Hawmeister is head writer and producer. Jim Brunberg is producer and member of our house band, along with Dave Jorgensen, and musical director Ralph Huntley. Jason Rouse is associate producer and part of our writing team, along with Alex Falcone and me. Our show performers are Laura Faye Smith, Andrew Harris, and writer-performer Sean McGrath. Jonathan Newsom is our technical director. Our recordist is Graham Nystrom. House sound by Paul O'Brien. Our stage manager is Jillian Tabler. Livewire thanks our Northwest Radio partners. 1019 Kink Progressive Rock Radio in Portland, KUOW in Seattle, and, of course, our hometown host station, KOPB. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council and Work for Art. The Oregon Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, and listeners like you fine people. This show is dedicated to the Fitch family and to the memory of Sam Fitch, whose spirit will continue to inspire us all to take the biggest bites from life. For more information about the show or becoming a member of Livewire, visit livewireradio.org. You can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and find us on Twitter and Facebook at Livewire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank saying, get well soon, Don, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>